Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Luke 7, 36, the Bible says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster box filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon simply titled, My Alabaster Box. Pray with me. God, thank you for this word. God, I pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts to you today. Teach us what you'd have us to know. Draw all men to the Father is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite gospel singers and one of my favorite songs taken from this passage of Scripture is the, the lovely and amazing C.C. Winans. And I want you to listen to her sing this song, Alabaster Box. And I want you to try to put yourself right in the middle of this story and hear what she sings, and then we'll look at the word again. Mary's alabaster box 
don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hair. To the sin that had me bound I spent my days Poured my life without measure Into a little treasure box got a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to look at this story from Luke's gospel this morning. Something sounds weird in the speaker. Hello? This, these monitors are ringing. Turn those down for me. I hope you're reading the gospel of Luke. This one right here. Hey, hey. Y'all want to hear it scream real loud? Hey, better. Hallelujah. Good job. Oh, 
You heard it? It's going to scream so loud, y'all are going to be glad we're adjusting this right now. Because if I just put this microphone in this cone right there like that, it will be squealing at you. I hope you're reading. We might just need to turn them off. You want to just turn them off, Elder? I hope you're reading the Gospel of Luke. Lean that over on your face. Thank you, Lord. Right, but there's a button. I, want, I wanted to lean it up so you see the button. There you go. Thank you. Um, that was not ringing. Yeah, we're good with that. Praise the Lord. Thanks, guys. The Gospel of Luke is our book of the month. I hope you're reading it. Uh, we're going to look at this story about this alabaster box uh, from St. Luke's Gospel. And I want you to learn something this morning. I want you to get inside your spiritual thoughts and really connect to the Scripture this morning. I did something last night. Uh, what was some, what, one, of, one of the things I did was not atypical, and the other one was very atypical. It's not unusual for me not to go to bed on Saturday night as I pray through the night, study. Uh, so uh, I really thought I'd make it through that song without crying because I probably listened to that song 300 times in the last few days and, and just fell apart every time. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll hold it together in church. But the song speaks to my heart. The story speaks to my heart. I want it to speak to your heart as well. So it's not unusual for me to... Uh, Stay up. I'll get a nap today. Uh, be back for new members class tonight. We'll be fine. Um, but one, the thing that I did that is very unusual is I announced what I would be preaching on. I learned years ago to never tell anyone what I was preaching on. Even my children riding into church will ask me from time to time, what you going to preach about today, Dad? I'm not telling you. And the reason I don't like to tell anyone because almost every time I've ever told anyone, God will change it on me at the last and give me something different to say. Uh, but I am thankful that uh, God has allowed me to visit this passage of Scripture in your hearing, and I hope that you will pay attention this morning as we seek to learn from God's Word. Let's look back in our text. In verse 36 of Luke chapter 7, the Bible says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So we see that this person is a member of this group of people called the Pharisees. These were very religious people, very morally upright people. They are the type people that uh, if they were alive today, they would be one of those churches, hair to the floor, dresses to the floor, no makeup. Amen? They would be in the holiness church. They, they were very, now that's not to say that everybody in the holiness church is a legalist because a lot of them aren't. But the Pharisees were very legalistic. What does that mean? They felt like they could gain favor with God by keeping the laws. But the scripture tells us that no one can be justified by keeping the rules and regulations, the laws of scripture, because we are justified by what we believe, not by living a perfect life. But these people, they were very, they were hardcore, they were mean-spirited, they were judgmental, a lot like church members in America today. They, they, they were unsaved people who s surrounded their life with religious trappings, although they had no real love for God on the inside. People who come to church that don't really have a prayer life are Pharisees. 
People who come to church but don't really sing to God in their homes are Pharisees. People who come to church, read more Bible in church than read at home are Pharisees. There are people who are surrounding their mind and their activity of time with religion without a true relationship with the Father. And these people had a sincere desire to do things the right way but it also caused them to be critical of others. But we see this man. This man is a Pharisee. Uh, he's somebody that thinks he's right and everybody else is wrong when it comes to God and God's ways. And we don't know why he asked Jesus to dinner with him. There's lots of speculation. There's speculation that maybe at this time in the Lord's life that the relationship with Christ and the Pharisees had not become so adversarial because uh, I was going to tell you in a minute, I'll tell you now, Every gospel records an anointing of Jesus with expensive perfume. But this is the only one that's different than Matthew, Mark, and John. Matthew, Mark, and John's recording are of the last few days of the life of Christ where a woman anointed his head with oil and perfume. And he said that she did that for his burial because he knew they wouldn't, he wouldn't have a proper burial. This was a different place. That was at the home of a leper that Jesus had healed. This is a standalone event. There are at least two different times, two different people, two different cities, two different places where this, a similar type thing happened to Jesus. This is earlier in the time frame of the Lord's life. Matthew, Mark, and John's Gospels are just days before he would go to the cross. This isn't long before he goes to the cross, but it's definitely a different event, say different. Different people, different time, different activity, different home. But this Pharisee asked Jesus to come have dinner with him, and look what it says after the comma. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. I want you to get this this morning if you don't get anything else. If you call on the Lord sincerely, he'll show up. If you call on God and you know that you need him, he will show up. This man was not a real believer in Jehovah. He was a believer in his ability to keep rules and regulations. He, he was a strict religious church person, but Jesus loves everybody. Is that good news to you? God is not waiting on us to get perfect to start loving us. God loves us just as we are, and through the love of God that Jesus was showing, this man asks him to dinner, and Jesus could have easily said no. He, he couldn't, I mean, he didn't choose to be everywhere at all times. He, he chose to be in one place at one time, but he chose to go and sit down and eat with this man. So they're in the house. They are sitting down eating. When we see in verse 37, the scripture says, a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there that he should be capitalized. They heard that Jesus was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster box filled with expensive perfume. In some versions, they say that this was a jar. Some versions say that this was a vial. Some versions say that this was a vase. Uh, these alabaster was the material that they used in the first century to keep the most precious ointments, oils, and perfumes the best that you had would go in whatever type of alabaster thing that you had that could hold it. So whether it was a box or a vial is not the important part. The important part was that she heard where Jesus was and she went there. 
I want you to always remember, you need to always be going to Jesus. You need to always be going to where you know you can find the Lord. That's why it's so important that you have a prayer closet in your home. It doesn't have to be a prayer closet. Honestly, it really doesn't even have to be in your home. It might be in your car, although it needs to be in your car and not driving. I've told you before, praying while driving is okay, but it's not precious. Are you hearing me? Praying while driving is acceptable, but it's not the best way. The Bible says that Jesus is our, our perfect example, and Jesus went out into a solitary place to pray. He got away from everybody and everything and focused sincerely on prayer, and he told us to have a place where you can go and pray. It could be a room in your house. It could be a bench in your yard. It could be somewhere where you can get away from everything else. But this woman heard where Jesus was, and she went there, and she brought a beautiful alabaster box filled with expensive perfume. There is so much uh, debate among scholars as to who this woman was, what her immorality was. I even read this week some from some extreme feminist uh, man-hater uh, female commentators who said that it's just evil, wicked, patriarchal society that tries to view this woman as immoral. No, the Bible says she was immoral. That doesn't say she was a hooker. It doesn't say she was a prostitute, although she probably was. Uh, it doesn't say she was the worst woman on the planet, although she probably was in the running in the city that she was in. We don't have a lot of information on this woman. This is the point I want you to get. We don't know a lot about her because the Bible tells us what we need to know. Do you believe that? The Bible tells us what we need to know. So we know that there was a certain woman. She was immoral. She heard that Jesus was eating at this man's house, and uninvited and unannounced, she showed up. She didn't care what anybody thought about her. She was chasing Jesus beyond her culture, beyond her sin, and beyond what other people thought. I hope you get to the place in your life where you have such a real love for Jesus that you don't care what people think about you pressing him. You don't care what people think about you serving him, giving to him, loving him, pouring out everything that you have on him. If people don't understand it, let them not understand it. She went into the, listen, I already told you the type of man whose house it was Okay, so this is a woman of a very bad reputation. This is probably a, a woman who was a, a prostitute. This is probably a woman who had who in the community. They wouldn't just out her like this publicly if it was on the low. This was not on the low. Everybody knew that this woman was what she was. And she would not be welcome in the home of a religious do-gooder. She wouldn't be welcome in the home of a judgmental Pharisee. Pharisees were the extreme end of religion in Jesus' day. And they kept all these laws of the Old Testament, and they were so determined to be perfect, they didn't just keep the Old Testament laws. They wrote an entire set of what's called fence laws, where if the Bible said you can't do something 40 times, they said don't even do it 39. If the Bible said you can't walk a half mile, they said don't even walk a quarter mile. On the Sabbath. If the Bible said you can't move five bricks, they said don't even touch a brick. They they were to the extreme beyond 
uh, hyper crazy, and they were living in a time where women didn't hang out with men. Women didn't eat in rooms with men. Women didn't sit in the rooms where men talked. Women didn't eat dinner in the same room with a man. This woman, she would have known. Going into this dude's house unannounced, he was going to go off on her. He was going to have something bad to say about her. He was going to say ugly, mean, hateful things, probably embarrass her. But she didn't care. American Christians have gotten to the place where we care too much about what the world has to say about us. We care too much about what the world thinks about us. We care too much about what other people will say about us. That's why messages like this need to be heard, and that's why we need to have a very Davidic mindset, even as uh, Saul's daughter, David's wife, mocked him for dancing and flailing about. She said, you look like a fool out there. You were undignified. You were unsophisticated. And he told her, I'll be even more undignified than this. I won't let anything hold me back from worshiping my God. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It matters what God knows about you. But some kind of way, and I believe that the, the main culprit in, in this problem is rapid access to information, social media, news Five billion news channels forcing stories down our throat all the time. But the church in America has become more concerned with what is politically correct than what is biblically correct. They've been saying this for years. Listen, I heard them say this when I was a teenager in church. That's a long time. That's 40 plus years ago. I heard them saying one day they're going to come arrest preachers for preaching against homosexuality. I don't have any problem with homosexual people. I don't, I don't think that a homosexual person is any worse than, than a person who tells lies, who gossips, or who overeats, and everybody in this room is guilty of one of those. I don't have, uh, uh, sin is a sin. The Bible says if you've broken one, you've broken them all. But they are now finally doing what I've been hearing preachers say that they're going to do. They are taking people's 501c3 away. They're taking their taxes, getting status away. They are threatening to incarcerate pastors for saying that homosexuality is not God's plan. So I want to let you know to everybody that's listening all around the world, and we have people in 50 plus countries listening to our messages every week. Uh, I want them to know that there's still a church in Jacksonville, Florida, that believes God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and God's plan is one man and one wife for life. God's plan is for a man to marry a woman and a woman to marry a man. Well, Pastor, you shouldn't preach about that because what about the people who, who self-identify? You, your self-identification means nothing. Your truth. Well, I just have to be, be real to my truth. You don't possess truth. Truth's the truth anyhow, whether it's yours or not. Whether you accept it or you reject it, truth stands alone. Well, my truth tells me that I can. That, that's all lies. If you want to claim the name of Christ, then you have to be willing to lay down under his rule and authority and say, not my will, but your will be done. Well, Pastor, they're going to call you a homophobe. I don't care if they call me a BB-phobe. It doesn't matter to me. We need to be more concerned with what's biblically correct than what is politically correct. Now, I'm not talking about walking around trying to upset people. I'm not talking about try, trying to push, position yourself against somebody. But right is still right and wrong is still wrong. This woman didn't care. 
This woman had her mind set on getting to Jesus. She didn't care if they were going to call her names. Let them call. We are so scared as the church of America now that somebody might call us a, 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 a homophobe or a, an Islamophobe. When, what was the man's name? Uh, Jerry Vines was the pastor of First Baptist Church downtown Jacksonville, and he got in trouble worldwide. They were threatening jihad on the entire city of Jacksonville. I'd have been mad if they had blown us all up over him. But they were threatening jihad on the entire city of Jacksonville by what this one Baptist preacher said, and he said that Christianity is better than Islam because Christianity is the only real religion that can get you to God. And the world came down on him. Church people came down on him. Oprah Winfrey came down on him with her. Well, there surely can't be only one way to get to heaven. What, uh, surely it, what you call Jesus, they might call Allah. Listen, if you calling anybody anything other than Jesus and God, you've missed the whole boat because this Bible says that Jesus is the only way to get to the Father. And if anybody tries to get there another way, they're a thief and a liar. See, that's not popular in today's world. You, you can't call out homosexuality from the church because you lose half your choir. What, what, well, thank God. Pastor, you believe we, we've ever had gay people in our choir? We have, but we don't have any now. And the reason is because people, listen, people living wrong don't like to hear what's right. So they call you names. They, they throw names at you. Uh, the Every, people are scared to death right now. Listen, I don't understand. How does less than 2% of the population of the United States who are uh, Muslims, how do they get any type of civil right protection? How do they get any squeaky wheel get degrees? How do they make enough noise in a country full of people to where they got laws protecting them and the church has no laws protecting it? I promise you this. You, uh, you, whatever your little social justice program is, whatever you're mad at America about, America not friendly enough to Muslims, America not friendly enough to gay people, America not friendly enough to take all those wants that you have for more friendly acceptance and move to Pakistan. Move to Iraq. Go to that map back there and, and pick one of those countries on that map where they're still cutting people's head off, hanging people for confessing Christ. Listen, hanging people, it is crazy. The, and, and here's what's wild. And I agreed with it wholeheartedly. When, when President Obama was the president, uh, people used to say that no other president has ever been maligned and, and just, just ridiculed and just stepped on and just lashed out. And I, and I believe that with my whole heart. Uh, that people were just, just attacking him because they had made up in their mind they didn't like him, they weren't going to listen to him, and, and they said horrible things. Uh, listen, if you say horrible things about a president, one of them places on that map back there, they execute you. Now, I don't know. I mean, the, the, our, our, the current president hadn't been president for, for, for very long yet, but, man, he, he might be running a, 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 close, a, a close tie for, for most, most talked about uh, hated on man ever to live. But people are scared to death. Well, don't, don't, don't talk about this group because they'll, they'll be offended. Don't talk about that group. Listen, when it comes to your Christian values, when it comes to your Christian convictions, when it comes for what this Bible says you, that you need to agree with, you don't need to be shy, ashamed, or worried about political correctness. You just need to know for the Lord I'll live and for the Lord I'll die. 
They want to come in here and take our tax-exempt status away. We'll pay taxes. Maybe. <laughs> we'll do like the rest of the persecuted church. We'll meet on the low, and we won't. But tell them I said that. This woman was living in a time of real oppression. This woman was living in a time where going into this man's house was sure to bring ridicule. So we're, we're going into a room full of men that were eating was sure to bring ridicule. But she did not care. There wasn't nothing written in the Bible. God never said you can't go into that man's house. God never said. See, we got to keep what God says. We have to abide by the law. The Bible tells us as Christians we need to abide by the law. She wasn't breaking law, but she was breaking tradition, and some tradition needs to be broke. The church in America is watered down and running scared. And we need to love Jesus more than we are worried about what people think about us. So she heard that he was there, and she goes in there. She brings this alabaster box filled with expensive perfume. Uh, some commentators, and I agree with them, believe that this was probably the most expensive thing that she had based on her reputation, based, based on her low estate in the community, Probably the only way she had this was through inheritance as a dowry. Y'all ain't old enough. Some of y'all ain't old enough to know what a dowry is. What was that thing? I meant to get you before you walked out, Dina. I couldn't, can't, still can't think of it. That little, you had one. Little box at the end of the bed. What? Hope chest. Anybody know what a hope chest is other than my sister? Amen. Hey, listen. My son, y'all, y'all, y'all shot out. That ain't going to happen for y'all. Women ain't classy enough to have hope chests in, in, in y'all's generation. Y'all, y'all remember, a hope chest was stuff your family would give to you. So when you got married and some man took you on his wallet, you had some, you might have had a toaster in that hope chest. Frying pan, may, maybe some jewelry, maybe a few dollars tucked off to the side to help pay some rent. I wish y'all were helping me. It was a, it, it was a dowry. And, hey, back in the old days, dudes used to be like, hey, uh, I'm going to ask the father if I can marry her. That, that was what he was saying. What he really wanted to know, what kind of dowry you got for this girl? If I marry her, how much land am I getting? You got, you got donkeys, what, mules, horses, cattle? You got some sheep? You got something? She ain't the prettiest girl in the city. What do y'all? And, and, and it was this, there was something there that she brought something to give to her new groom to say that I've been waiting for you and I've been holding this for you to be a blessing to you. And this was probably this woman's dowry. This was so expensive that it wasn't something she would have possessed on her own, but it was something that she probably had as an inheritance waiting to give to her potential. Hopefully one day she'd get out of the gutter and find a man. To give her love to. She kind of ends up doing it in a different way. She takes this box of expensive perfume, and in verse 38, it says, Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. A couple of things to unpack, and I don't want to be long in this, so you need to stay with me. Uh, when they would go and they would eat these dinners, they didn't sit in chairs. I'm, I'm wondering, they must have had some really strong elbows and shoulders back in that day. Uh, because what they would do is they would have like a, a, a small elevated place where the food was, 
and then they would all lay down on their left arm so they could eat with their right arm so all their faces would be by the food and their feet would be out on the edges of the room. Are you following that? See, if I, you know, if I'd planned this out better, I'd have made, made you know, Deacon West and made Brother David get out of that wheelchair he's faking and, <laughs> and, and, and show us how to lay down. Y'all know he's not. But show how that goes. Hopefully y'all's mind is sharp enough. Y'all can follow along. She ends up pouring this on his feet because it would have been all, almost disruptive, well, surely disruptive and, and, and possibly improper for her to try to wedge in between a couple of men and get up to his head. She was willing to stay at the easiest point of access without disrupting anything else. That's the kind of Christians we need in the world today. We need people who are willing to say, if all I can do is wash his feet, I just want to do something for him. If all I can do is clean the toilet, I'll be glad to clean the toilet in Jesus' name. I don't have to have the head. I don't have to be right at the table. I'm not here to be recognized anyway. I'm just here to be close and to bring something of worth to the Lord. She brings something of worth to the Lord, and she ends up actually, this ointment was typically to anoint this expensive ointment that she poured out was typically to anoint the head and not the feet. But she just wanted to give what she could give in the best way she could give it. I hope that one day we'll have more people in this church that will have a heart to say, I just want to give whatever I can give, however I can give it. I just want to serve. I just want to love. I just want to worship. I just want to be involved. I just want to do my part some kind of way. She kneels behind him. His face is up there by that food. They're laid back, feet back by the wall. She's on the, between the wall and his feet. And she's weeping. She's weeping. Now, many commentators believe that she had already had an encounter with Jesus. And he had already seen his love. I believe that has to be the case. The Bible doesn't say so. And I, I believe what many theologians have said where the Bible remains silent, it would do us well to do the same, but there are some things that we can figure out. She wouldn't be weeping if she didn't know who he was. She wouldn't be weeping if she didn't know who she was. See, when you know who you are and you know who he is, weeping is a natural thing. When you know who you are and you know who he is, falling down and crying is a natural thing. Look in the Bible. Every time somebody really got a good picture of who Jesus was, they fell to the ground and, and wept. When you realize who he is and who you are, that weeping just happens that way. Her tears, the Bible says, fell on his feet. This isn't no little puddles in your eye. This isn't no little one tear drain off her eye. This is ugly crying. I don't trust people that don't ugly cry. In church, for the Lord, you 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 pretty cry if you want to, but that 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 ain't heartfelt. That 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 that's contrived. When when you really get get open and honest, when you really just decide God deserves more than I've given Him, you're not gonna worry about your makeup, your eyelashes coming off. You're not gonna worry about what gets on your shirt. I'm going to tell you the truth. Some of y'all hadn't been in Christ long enough, and some of y'all hadn't been in Christ strong enough. But until you get to the place where you've had to pull off the side of the road because you were blinded by tears and snot was on your shirt, 
Jew hadn't even really began to dip a toe into this thing yet. But this woman is in neck deep in the deep end. She's two feet deep and she is weeping at his feet and she is washing his feet with her tears and she is drying his feet off with her. Listen, this ain't like modern day foot washing. That's just religion. I've had people say, well, pastor, you say we're a Bible church. Why don't we foot wash? Well, because most people in here wear shoes. And, you know, we, we got front row. I got toes everywhere all across the front row. Uh, most people cover their feet, you know, and, and even, the, even the ones that do, listen, even more so than the ones that don't. They, they get their pedicure done and, and they get their feet done up. Listen, we don't walk on dusty streets and walk into people's house with dirty feet. There's no need for modern-day foot washing. If your feet stink, wash them yourself. We got baths now. We got tubs to sit in now. We got hoses to spray our own feet off with now. We don't have dusty, dirty feet. We don't walk on dusty, dirty roads. Modern-day foot washing in, in, the, in this world would be more like cutting somebody's grass for free. And I appreciate you. It, it would be doing something you see that is a need that is laborious, and you step in and you do it. You don't have to wash somebody's feet. Oh, I just, I just want to wash somebody. You want to be seen washing somebody's feet. Why don't you go rake the leaves up in your neighbor's yard? That's modern-day foot washing. Why don't you come up to this church and wipe down some of the back rails of the dust off this church? We got a 70-plus-year-old man cleaning this whole church every week, mostly by himself because we don't have anybody want to do some modern-day foot washing. We got one man cutting all this grass up here by himself for free, never charged us a dime because nobody else wants to come do some modern-day foot washing. Listen, I was in the lawn business for a long time. It'd it just be nice. If somebody just came and got the pine cones and the junk up out of the way, wouldn't it make the job a whole lot easier? I mean, it would just be a blessing somebody come pick. That, that field that we have next to us, it just lays up with sticks all the time. We need some people to have an attitude of service. This, this woman knew who Jesus was, and, man, she was weeping. Why? Because she knew he loved her more than those people sitting around that table. She knew that while the rest of these people might not understand me, know me, accept me, this man does. She had had an encounter with Jesus that drew her to do what she was doing. And I want to tell you, some, the part of the reason why some people never do anything is because they don't feel like they need to do anything. And the reason they don't feel like they need to do anything is because they never had a real meeting with Jesus. You ever have a real encounter with Jesus, you're going to start seeing needs. You're going to start seeing stuff that you can do. Well, Pastor, I don't know uh, how I can help. Show up. You'll find out. Show up. Come, come get around. Do, do what your hand finds to do, the Bible says, and do it as unto God and not unto man. It says she's, she's crying so hard, she's weeping at her master's feet. She's drying his head. Dusty, dirty feet. This ain't just, you know, crying, crying on somebody's feet. You know, some of y'all, y'all just weird. Y'all, y'all kiss feet. Uh, uh, mm. yeah, keep moving. This ain't, this ain't just dropping a tear on somebody's clean feet that just came out of a bath. Uh, this, this is dusty, dirty feet. She has cried on these feet so hard that her tears have soaked his feet 
and now she is taking her hair, which is the glory of a woman according to Scripture. She's taking the thing that makes her beautiful and makes her different, the thing that she has that is prized to have, and she takes it and she is willing to dirty it up and take that dust, dirt, snot, and tears off the feet of the Lord because she wants to do something for him. It made me think about, as I was studying for this message, it made me think about that song, uh, Christmas song. A- anybody know that uh, pa-rupa-pum-pum song? <laughs> that little drummer boy? They, they all brought their gifts, and then it came his turn, and he said, I, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. And he asked, can I play my drum for you? You don't have to have greatness. You don't have to be somebody. See, this is what the world's trying to teach. I am somebody. Yeah, we know who you are. Shabby and ragged. No, I, I'm, listen. If you really want to walk around call, calling yourselves kings and queens, clean your house. Kings and queens don't live in filth. You want to call yourself kings and queens, be upright, noble, be, be, be scholarly. Be, be creative. Be somebody that other people would aspire to be. Don't just be slovenly and ridiculous. But whatever you have to bring, you should be willing to bring. She brought what she had to bring, her love and her gift. And I want to tell you something. Jesus never changed. He accepted this woman's gift, and we're still talking about it today, 2,000 years later. And he expects you to bring your love and your gift. Whatever that gift is, everybody in this room could be doing something to show their love for Christ. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Perfume was, this perfume was not foot perfume, but she was going to give it to him any way she could. And his feet needed anointing. His feet needed cleaning. And so she's taking what she has and she is pouring it out on him in love. Now, I told you this is not the same event that happened in, in Bethany that Matthew, Mark, and John record. This is a different woman. This is a different house. This is a different place. Uh, but I, I love what the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon had to say. I was reading him a lot this week. I, I, I put a couple quotes for him. Put that quote up there for me. Uh, th- th- this is what he said. Because some people deny that it was two events. Some people deny that it was separate places and separate women. He said, it ought not to astonish you that there were two persons whose intense affection thus displayed itself. The astonishment should rather be that there were not 200 who did so for the anointing of the feet of an honored friend. Loved as Jesus deserved to be, the marvel is that he was not oftener visited with these generous tokens of human love. Here is the, most, the only perfect man to ever live, the most gracious man, the most merciful man, the most loving man, the most miracle-working man, the most accepting man, a man who went around forgiving sins and putting people back together again yet we only have record of two people that ever did this it was always the custom that the honored guest would have his feet washed and his head anointed with costly oils and perfumes and we only have record of two people doing it for Jesus 
I love what uh, Pastor Spurgeon said. He said it shouldn't shock you that two people did it. It ought to shock you that, it wasn't, huh, that they weren't doing it all the time. Where are all these people? They were c- c- claiming, I'll die for you, Jesus. Everybody else turn on you, but I'll be there with you forever. Sound like church folk to me. My, my kids know. My kids, when, when people, people say, I just love abundant life. I love Pastor Scott. I finally found my church home. Y'all can't run me off. Huh? Yeah, it's going to take my, my, They're leaving. All that, all that noise of pledgement. They, they, you know, that, that's, what, that's what them disciples did for Jesus. They talked all that stuff. Where, where were they? Why weren't they washing his feet? Why weren't hundreds of people watching this? He raised people from the dead. He raised people, children from the dead. And they won't pay him this, this, this modest token of esteem. They won't pay him this modest token of honoring him. Don't, don't, feel, don't find it strange that these are two separate stories. The Scripture makes it plain that they're two separate stories. And, and I agree with Pastor Spurgeon. Let's, let's look at our next verse. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Now, when this dude, so now we don't know. I mean, he invited Jesus into his house. Why? Trap him, trick him. That's what Pharisees were always trying to do. Prove that he was better than Jesus. That's That's what churchy religious folk always try to do. Prove that they're better than someone. That's why they love to chop into the pastor so much. That's why they love to find dirt on the pastor and try to make out like, well, I'm better than so-and-so, and I'm better than such-and-such. And, 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 and That's, that's the, the sickness of people when it comes to false religion. And this is a false religionist who invited Jesus to come into his home. Let me tell you something. Just because people show up in the house of God don't mean that they love the God of the house. The Bible says there are false brethren who crept in unawares to do us harm. Everybody in this room is here on assignment. You're either here on assignment from God or you're here on assignment from the devil. You get to choose. And we're watching. We're, you know, once they leave, once, once, hey, once, once, once the false brethren leave, so they're evil and leave, I say the same thing I've been saying for 17 years. I say the same thing that John the Beloved said. They went out from us because they were not part of us. If they had been part of us, they had no doubt continued with us. But they went out to make it manifest. They were never part of us. You can be in this thing, but not in this thing. You can act real and not be real. This dude had Jesus come into his house, want to put on a show. But now, listen to what he says to himself, to which I have one word for people like that, coward. Said to himself. I already told y'all Jesus wasn't blonde-haired, blue-eyed. I already told y'all he wasn't skinny and frail. He was Middle Eastern. He was brown, thick, and rugged. He was a carpenter. He was dragging trees around in one hand and, 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 and a hammer in the other hand. And uh, this dude didn't want to mouth off to Jesus. He said to himself, listen, keyboard warrior, stop being brave hiding behind your fake name on your computer. You want to say something to a grown man, you want to say something to a grown woman, say it. Say it to yourself. Rise up. You got something to say? Rise up. (laughs) Say it. Put it on record. Be be like one of these Moorish American indigenous people who don't believe the law applies to them. Be like one of these sovereign citizens on YouTube and say, I just want to be on the record. Well, get on the record then. 
This coward said to himself, if this man were a prophet. Now, he just impugned the integrity of Jesus Christ, who declared himself a prophet, who proved to the world he was a prophet. This man wanted to cast aspersion on the only perfect human being that ever lived, on the only person who never told a lie. He's calling Jesus Christ a liar. And see, this is how lost people will do you. Let me tell you something. You want to know for sure? Because well, some, some of y'all just don't have any discernment at all. Some of y'all don't walk in enough discernment. Y'all still think them, them people living in your house just aren't all the way saved. Yeah, because they're all the way lost. Y'all still thinking, well, I believe that they're saved deep down, but they're just not living it. Now, you need to get off that wagon, and, and you just need to call a duck a duck. Let me tell you how you know. You still wondering? You, you still don't, don't want to say, ba baby girl, uh, yeah, well, that's my baby girl. I just hate She's 35, 40, 50 years old. She's 18 years old. She's out in the street living ragged, ungodly. You don't got to worry about whether or not she's saved. The Bible says that a, a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit. Mm, Y'all don't want to be holy. <laughs> He said, if this man were a prophet. See, this is how lost people in your life will do you. This is how you know. This is how they out themselves when, when, when they say, uh, oh, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Is that what they teach you down there at that church? Did they teach you to talk? You know we didn't teach her to talk like that. You're just a coward because you won't call me and tell me that because I got scripture for you. And Deacon West got other things for you. Ain't I right? All right. Oh, I thought you were supposed to be saved. That's a lost person. The only person that can say that is unsaved. They don't understand real salvation. Because if they understood real salvation, they knew you could step out of your Christianity real quick and choke slam them. Oh, I thought you were supposed to be a pastor. No, I am a pastor, but I'm a human being too, so back up. I got issues. This man's lucky he was talking to Jesus with this, oh, I thought you were supposed to be a prophet. He wouldn't have said that out loud, but he didn't have to because Jesus hears the thoughts in your head. People come to church criticizing the deacons, the leadership, the members, people criticizing how other people praise God when you don't praise God at all. All caught in this coward line right here. Cowards. Unsaved, coward, religious haters. He said he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Yeah, like he ain't. Right? This is what he's saying in his mind. She's worse than me. Only unsaved people think that way. Because saved people know. If Listen, if you're saved at all, you know God saved you when he didn't have to. You know you wasn't worth saving. You know he had to step down into the gutter to get you, clean you up, set you on a solid foundation, get you up out of the miry clay and put you on a solid rock. You don't have no business looking at other people talking about, Oh, Lord, and we still have it. Well, Pastor, I don't want to say anything. Well, then don't. But, you know, I thought Deacon so-and-so's wife was, was, was supposed to be a Christian. Yeah, right? Now you're digging deep because you came to the wrong person because I'm loyal to mine. 
Know that about me. I'm loyal to the end. Uh, I'm down with who's down with me. And listen, hey, if you want to get, get. But 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 if you want to stay, stay. People that say stuff like this, though, man, they just really, they, whoo, they lucky they're saying it to the Lord. Just lucky he's letting God hear them thoughts in his head. He said she's a sinner. He's, he's juxtaposing she's something that he's not. He, he, he's, he's conflating this issue of sin as if it's something that she does that he hasn't done. Although this word for sinner in the original language is a masculine word, ascribing it to a woman is, is making her a strong sinner, a very vile, wicked sinner. Now, here, here's the deal. We're all sinners. The Bible says all the sin to come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Some folk just have sinned more. Okay? Um, and I got a great quote somewhere in here, but I got to get done. Uh, that, word, that word is extreme. She's, she's committed extreme sin in her life. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've been watching people for a long time. I've been in ministry for a long time. And I tell you, people who were extreme sinners that are willing to admit that they were extreme sinners that really get saved for real, they, they understand, listen, I was wide open for the devil in the world. I'm going to be wide open for Jesus in the church. I, I love when, when, when extreme sinners, that masculine noun, that hardcore sinner gets real salvation because those are the ones you can count on. See, this man thought he was criticizing her. He didn't understand any of what he was talking about. Now, it was, it was bold for this woman with such a bad reputation to come into the house of this man, but she didn't care what he, she knew what he was going to say about her. She knew what he thought about her. Listen to, listen to what Spurgeon said of this woman, though. This, this is deep. It's wordy, but it's deep. Put that quote up for me. She served Christ himself. Follow along with this. It was, ne- it was neither service to Peter nor James nor John, nor yet to the poor or sick of the city, but to the master himself. Pause on that. You need to understand what you do for God. You may feel like, well, I just have a heart for poor people, and I just want to be involved in a ministry that works for poor people. Well, you are a social justice warrior if that's all it means to you. Now, if you have a heart for poor people because you love the God of the Bible and you want to represent the God of the Bible to hurting people, then you understand Scripture. See, some people just, just want, want to do prison ministry, not because they love God, but because they feel connected to convicts. Some people want to do street ministry, not because they love God, but because they feel connected to the street. Some people want to do di- different types of ministry. If your impetus is not your love for Jesus, then it's not Christian. It's social. A lot of people masquerading as, as Christian organizations when really they're just social services. And there's a place. We need social services. We desperately need social services. There's too many hurting people out there not to have them. But she was doing what she did to the master himself. Keep, keep following on. And depend on it. When our love is in active exercise, our piety will be immediately towards Christ. We shall sing to him, pray to him, teach for him, preach for him, and live to him. Here's the deal. We have some people that when we have a work day up here, some people come and work come and work to be seen. Others come and work to just do something because they love the Lord. 
We got people who, who clean toilets, that clean toilets and, and, and fr are frustrated by it. And we got other people that clean toilets and they just love the fact that God has given them something that they can do, that they can serve God, and they see their service as unto the Lord. Everything you do should be as unto the Lord as a Christian. If you want to sing up here, stop worrying about the song selection. You, you ain't in charge of picking songs. Well, make sure y'all are hearing me. I'll talk louder. If you want to serve God, stop worrying about how you get to serve God. Just be glad that he's the one you're serving. See, this needs to be about him. There's a, there's a contemporary Christian song. Uh, every time I've ever heard it sung, I just want to crawl under the chair and think, boy, God is so gracious, he didn't kill us all for singing this song. This would be like that old hymn, All to Jesus I Surrender. Every time we used to sing that, I'd think, don't kill me, God. Because we don't. But that contemporary Christian song, not to us, but to your name be the glory, not to us. I'm thinking you up there for you. I can see that arrogance on you now from here. We need to do what we do out of a heart of love for the Lord because of what he's done for us. See, Jesus had touched this woman. He had shown love to this woman. He had shown acceptance and forgiveness to this woman. And she was about it. And she was doing what she was doing for him not to be seen. She was doing what she was doing for him, not for the person who was in charge of that house. She was doing what she was doing, not worrying about who thought it was good, bad, or indifferent. She was pouring out her love on her Lord. And she understood the difference. Some people serve church. Serving church will just make you bitter. You need to serve Jesus. Some people serve ministry because they, they want to they, they wanna be viewed as valuable. Uh, you, you, you better throw that in the trash can because it will get you nothing in heaven. You, if you want ministry, you need to do ministry because you love God. See, she had this thing figured out. I'll give you this one more Spurgeon quote, and then I'll leave these things alone. Listen, listen to what he said because, man, I prayed this today. Put that next one up here. He said, oh, for more of this love. Talking about the love that she had for the Lord. If I might only pray one prayer this morning, I think it should be that the flaming torch of the love of Jesus should be brought into every one of our hearts and that all our passions should be set ablaze with love to Him. If I could only pray one prayer for this church, it would be that the people in this church would fall so in love with Jesus that everything else would mean nothing caught up in church, we're caught up in political correctness, we're caught up in trying to impress people, we're caught up in, in wor worrying about what people think. What we need to do is fall in love with Jesus. And we need to let our hearts burn for him. We need to let our love be out loud. We need to love him more than we love everything else. We need to love him in such a way that it looks foolish to everybody that's watching. We need to love him in such a way that we could say with, with C.C. Winans, you weren't there the night Jesus found me. Some of y'all don't understand that because you ain't been found yet by God. But if you ever get found, you'll be able to tell people, you didn't feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. 
Criticize me if you want to. Talk about my shortcomings if you want to. But I am determined to pour out love on Jesus Christ. I am determined to serve him to my last dying breath. You don't have to worry. I wonder when Pastor finally going to get. He faced so many. People always talk about how much adversity I faced. I ain't faced nothing compared to what the apostles faced or what Jesus faced. And I'm never going to give up and I'm never going to back up. And I'm never going to stop telling people about Jesus. And I'm never going to stop loving God publicly. And I hope that you will set your heart to say, I am all in. I ain't talking about all in for this church. I don't want nobody all in for me. I want somebody to fall so in love with Jesus that that everything you do just smells like God. Verse 40 says, then Jesus answered his thoughts. How about Jesus stepping up? This dude didn't even say it out loud. All right, big thinking coward. Jesus said, I hear you. Some of y'all, some of y'all make it so obvious that y'all hate this church. Some of y'all make it so obvious y'all don't like me. Y'all scowl at me when I'm preaching. Y'all just make me preach longer. That's all. You think I can't feel them daggers you're shooting? You some of y'all professional dagger shooters. It ain't even hard to figure you out. Put you in that coward box with this Pharisee. Jesus answered his thoughts. This dude didn't say nothing out loud. Jesus heard it, though. Jesus hears the thoughts in your head. When's this sermon going to be over? Because everything's important to you but being in God's house. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. <laughs> At this point, this dude should have been, please forgive me, God. Uh, Jesus, I, don't, I, I, I repent. You need to go to the judge repenting. Don't go up to the judge. Man, you want to see some the most foolish waste of time that Pastor Scott ever does? Go ahead and, and just YouTube sovereign citizen or indigenous Moorish American and listen to these people tell the judge, I do not recognize your authority. Are you an Article Three judge? Is this an Article Three courtroom? What, what, what is your jurisdiction? Where is your declaration of authority? You have no power over me. I'm an indigenous Moorish American. I'm standing on my own land. I'm not a person. I'm a flesh and blood human. And listen to these people arrogantly tell the judge or tell cops that when the cops like, roll down your window and give me your ID, and they won't. I love that. I love it because y'all know I pull for the lion and not the zebra. I, in this case, I pull for the cop because I know what's coming. And next, that window's about to get shattered, and, and, and Ray Ray about to get tased. Boy, I wish God had just let me and, and all our deacons and elders and, 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 and faithful servants in this place. I wish God just let us walk around with Holy Ghost tasers. What's the attitude? Hey, and I just do it just like they do on cops taser, 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 bang. Only thing I'd do different, I wouldn't let off. It'd just be like. I'd just be on them. Lord, about the Holy Ghost tase this dude. (laughs) And and my man said, go ahead. What? Go ahead, teacher. He should have said, go ahead, master. Go ahead, Prophet that I almost made my mouth deny. Listen, some things you better never let come out your mouth. This dude's like, oh, you gonna, you confront me now in my own house? What you got? Bring this. This dude bringing a paperclip to a gunfight. So Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. 
But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Now, see, here is Jesus puts this man out of his thought process, out of his bad thinking, and into reality. Because remember what the man said about the woman? She is a sinner. Now, Jesus puts this man in the same story with her. It's two people in this story. One's her and one's him. And this is becoming painfully obvious to this man. Oh, uh, he's just seeing that she's a sinner. She owes a debt to God. Well, now, Jesus is letting him know everybody owes a debt to God. Do you believe you owe a debt to God? Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe that you have a price to pay for what you've done? Jesus tells a story about somebody who owed a little and somebody owed a lot. I said last quote. I got to give you this one. Uh, Spurgeon was just on fire for me this week. He said, all men are debtors to God, yet some are greater debtors than others. Now, here's the deal. People say, well, everybody's a sinner. Everybody comes to uh, the cross the same. That the, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And that's true. We all have to come to Christ repenting. Uh, but there, there's just some of us that had a whole lot more to, to repent of. Anybody? Uh, five honest people in the building. There literally are some people who got saved at a young age. Never, ne- never uh, they, they didn't smoke. They didn't chew. They didn't go with girls that do. I mean, they, they never did it. They, they, didn't, they didn't do a bunch of bad stuff. Some of us. Not to brag on sin, but some of us laid in the gutter too long. And some of us are them $500 debt owers, not them $50 debt owers. And Jesus, Jesus said, hey, everybody's in this same boat, coward Pharisee, criticizer of sin, looking, looking down your long religious nose of if no sin you had done toward this woman who's here loving me while you're here doubting me. See, there are people in this room right now who are loving God, and there are other people in this room that are doubting God. There are people in this room right now sitting in chairs next to each other who really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, while there are other people sitting on rows around them that don't even believe it's real at all. Verse 44, then he turned to the woman and to Simon. Now he puts them in the same boat right here again. He said, look at this woman kneeling here i love what he says in the king james he says seest thou this woman he said i want you to look at this woman kneeling here because you've been looking at her since she came in and you've been seeing the wrong thing you've been looking at her saying stuff about her but you're saying the wrong stuff you see what you see when you look at her but i want you to get a good look at her stop looking at her through your hate and your arrogance as if no sin have you done, and give an honest look at the situation that is really going on in your home right now. He said, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. You criticize this woman washing my feet. It's your job as the host to have done. You didn't even do what she's doing, but you're looking down on her. Boy, I cannot stand these level of coward people. I love that quote. Y'all look it up. Google it. That, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, he said that the, the credit doesn't go to the coward who sits back and judges the strong man. 
The credit goes to the man whose face and body is covered in dust and mired in mud. Though he, though he try and fail, he try valiantly, and he shall never take part with those cowards who know neither victory nor defeat. People that sit back and criticize those who do, even if they fail in their doing, should have no place for criticism because they're the cowards that didn't even get in the arena to try. This man should have been doing what this woman was doing. He's looking at her the wrong way. He said, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon saw her sin. Jesus saw her love. Simon saw her past. Jesus saw what she was doing right now. Some of y'all need to let go of your past and cut off people who are still trying to say, oh, no, I know you. You ain't this, this, and this. I, I know the real you. You're faking it for them church people. No, you know the they they used to be. They're, they're becoming a new person. They're, they're trying to get a new attitude. You're just holding them back. Simon saw this woman in the wrong way. He saw her for what she had done in the past, but Jesus saw the love, repentance, and devotion that she was pouring out right now. I wish you'd get a right now love for Jesus. I wish you'd stop, stop thinking that you did something great for the Lord when you used to serve God somewhere. Stop thinking that you, you've done more than other people have done. Stop, stop thinking that other people aren't living up to where you are and get back into the loving Jesus reality that this woman had put herself in. Verse 45 said, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Custom. So what are you supposed to do? This man was so high-minded and so important, he didn't feel like he had to show any courtesy to Jesus. That's how church folk are. Church folk criticizing other church folk. God's not happy with that. Church folk, and even these preachers talking about the church needs to get cleaned up. The church is already cleaned up by the blood of Jesus. When God sees the church, it's all people talking about the church has to be without, needs to get without spot. The church is already without spot, without wrinkle. God himself cleansed the church with his own blood. People walking around talking bad about the church. The Bible says that the church is married to Jesus. People talking about, well, I, I'm okay with God. I just don't like them people down at the church. That's like you saying, I'm okay with Deacon West. I just can't deal with Nixon. Now, don't think just because they got two chairs in between them that they ain't together like peas and carrots because they are. Try, try to tell somebody, I, I, I'm good with you, but you, I can't stand your wife. It ain't going to work. That's off. These people out there saying, well, I, I love God. I just don't like the church. You can't badmouth God's bride and think you're still on good terms with God. People so confused, so missing the real story. This, this dude, religious, but he doesn't understand that he's missing out of the love factor. He's missing out on the honor Jesus factor. He said, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointing my feet with rare perfume. Man, I don't know if this guy had any, 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 any mind, any, any conscience at all, but right now he ought to be under the table. And I already told y'all the table barely elevated, and they're laying down on an elbow next to it. He ought to be under the table right now. He ought to be thinking, how dumb am I to be criticizing somebody who's loving God, and I'm just sitting back criticizing. Mm, see, I can't get amen on there now because some of y'all don't want to admit, how dumb are you? 
criticizing people who really love the Lord. No, they're not perfect. Yes, they make mistakes. But who are you to sit back and criticize them when they're the one trying to do better? This man should have been realizing at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm the 500 center. I'm not even the 50. If, if, if she's 50, i got to be 500. If one of us is 500, uh, it's it got to be me because she's over there loving you and I'm not. I didn't even do the basic courtesy inviting you into my home. I didn't give you any love at all. Verse 47 says, I tell you her sins, and they are many. Jesus is not trying to deny this woman, you know, got, got a shady past. But your past isn't what's important to God. It's your current. It's your present state. He said her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. Now, that's something lost folk can't stand. They, they, they don't want to let people go. They don't want to let people go from guilt. They don't want to let people go from stain. They don't want to let people go from sin. They want to hold that over their head forever. Jesus let this man know emphatically, her sins, yep, they're a lot, but they've all been forgiven. And your estimation of her is wrong, and it doesn't count. Only the Lord's estimation counts. He says, so she has shown me much love. Listen to what he said next. But a person who is forgiven little, Shows only little love. And see, you get to estimate where you're at. See, so if you're in here and, and, and maybe, maybe you weren't a fallout drunk. Maybe you never sold drugs. Maybe you never been in jail. Maybe you didn't live in the ditches that I lived in. Maybe you, didn't, maybe you were more of a morally upright person. But I don't care if you've been the cleanest person you ever know. When you consider how much Jesus had to forgive you of, you ought to know, Lord, I'm the 500. If anybody's the 500, it's me. I'm the one with the big debt, God. I, you, you, I, 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 you forgave me for so much. See, there's really nobody who's been forgiven little. There's just only people who think they've been forgiven little, and that's why they don't love God very much. Those who've been forgiven much love much. So if you're not loving much, either you're not saved at all or you're not properly recognizing how much he forgave you for. Verse 48, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. This is... The great news of real salvation. When you see, if, if you've never had this happen to you, if you've never really, if you if you hear people say, Man, when I got saved, I felt like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. That's how real saved people feel because they got that stain of sin off them and they were clean for the first time in their life and they knew that they were accepted by God. He he pronounced forgiveness and the men in verse 49 at the table said among themselves, see, there are these more of these church folk here still criticizing Jesus, not getting the point. Some of y'all are going to leave here today not getting the point. They said, who is this man that he goes around forgiving? Jesus had told other people this. He told, he told people he healed. Your sins are forgiven. And they criticized him. Well, who are you to say that? Oh, you rather I say take up your bed and walk? Well, take up your bed and walk and your sins are forgiven. How about that? People criticizing the Lord. Verse 50, last verse I'm going to read. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It wasn't her tears that saved her. It wasn't washing his feet with her tears and drying it with her hair. It wasn't her, her devotion that, that saved her. It wasn't her servitude that saved her. It was her faith that saved her because the only thing that can save us is faith. 
The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works. You can't, she didn't work her way into Jesus' forgiveness. She believed her way into Jesus' forgiveness. That's why she was weeping, because she knew he was holy and she wasn't. That's why she was weeping, because she recognized he loved her when he didn't have to. So I'm going to close by asking you this. How much is Jesus worth to you? To Judas, he was worth 30 pieces of silver. To this woman, he was worth everything she had. All her tears, everything that's precious to her. See, when we sing to the Lord, you're everything that's precious to me. Is he? Or is it just, you know, you just wish the services were shorter because you think giving an hour to God is just so so awesome on your part. How much is Jesus worth to you? How much does he deserve compared to what we give? Does he deserve more? Is he worth more? Has he done more for us than we've done for him? Are you the 500 or do you see yourself as owing nothing? We're going to do something real quick. I know it's late, but I believe he's worthy. I want to play that song again. And I want you to take a few moments. It's only the last couple minutes. And you can either come to this altar. You can stay in your chair. You can stand. You can kneel. I, I want to get some people to come up front. Chris, Evelyn, you know, I want to come up front, uh, pray for some people for me. Joyce, uh, Alyssa, Dina. Elder, you want to come up here, pray for some people for me? Here's what I want you all to do. Now, I'm going to put more women up here because I trust that women know how to connect to uh, truth and, and, and their feelings. So stand over here with Mr. Steele. And I'm going to come down here with you guys. And here's what I want you to do. Y'all push up closer so people can get to the altar. If you want to come and just kneel on this altar and tell the Lord that you love him, or if you want to stay where you are at and tell the Lord that you love him, you can do that. If you you need to be saved, I want you to come and ask one of these people, ladies with ladies, men with men, I want you to ask one of these people, just tell them, I need to be saved. And let them pray with you to be saved today. If you know that you have not been loving God the way you should, the Bible says confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I want you to do something today that will put you in the arena of loving God. You can do it at your seat. You can do it at this altar. You can come. Let let one of these Christian men or women pray with you and for you. But whatever you feel like you need to do today, I want to give the next few minutes for us to pour our love out on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. Pray with me. God, I pray that you'd have your way in this time. Draw people to yourself, God. Reveal to us your greatness. Let us recognize who you are and who we are. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for sending your son to save us all. Help us to honor you the way that we should. Help us to live our lives as a living 
sacrifice poured out for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.